Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Our guest today is Melissa Barnett, OD, FAAO, FSLS. Dr. Barnett is principal optometrist at the UC Davis Medical Center, and she's past president of the Scleral Lens Society. She's also co-editor of Contemporary Scleral Lenses, Theory and Application. Welcome, Dr. Barnett. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, You have inspired a lot of optometrists on scleral lenses and challenging fits. You were one of our, you were one of our first Thea award winners and many of the nominees who talked about you said what a profound impact you made on them in inspiring them to pursue these kinds of fits in their practices. What made you embrace this area? Of practice. So when I started at UC Davis many years ago now, I started working with three different corneal specialists, and I still work with three corneal specialists. And we had the patient base and the need for scleral lens technology, but didn't yet have it at that time. And scleral lenses are absolutely life-changing devices for people. So people who can't see to go to school, or they can't see their children, or their eyes are so profoundly dry that they're suicidal, scleral lenses can completely change their lives. So when I started at UC Davis, I thought we definitely need this technology. And the way that we did it is had someone come in and teach us with our patients, which is really the best way to learn how to fit scleral lenses And from then, we've just grown. So now we're a large referral practice. We get referrals commonly from four hours away. And my goal is to go out to places that are maybe three hours away and teach the doctors there so that the patients don't have to drive so far. That's a really hard, long day. If they can't drive themselves, it's a very far distance. And fortunately, I've been successful uh, doing that. And I absolutely love scleral lenses. I think that's maybe why I wrote a book along with authors from around the world on scleral lenses. And they are just absolutely life-changing for patients. Now, not to say that they're easy to fit. They do take some time and there are complications and there are a lot of unknowns. We don't know 50-year or 100-year research uh, with this modality, but it, they are absolutely amazing. You said people whose dry eyes are so bad that they're suicidal. Is, is the impact or the effect of dry eye that dramatic? Oh, yes, sure. So I also do work with Sjogren's syndrome. And these patients, they have such severe dry eye, for example, Sjogren's, rheumatoid arthritis, graft-versus-host disease, Stephen Johnson, they've tried everything else under the sun and and nothing's working. And then they're oftentimes referred to us as their last hope. And um, their dry eye significantly impacts their quality of life. There are also multiple studies that show this. 
um, in different sort of patient populations. Does it have to get to this point? I mean, are there things that practitioners should be doing to help these patients earlier? Well, I think that diagnosing and addressing dry eye, for example, and ocular surface disease early is always important because it's an inflammatory condition. So if we can reduce that inflammation and address it early, it's going to help long-term. I think that every practitioner, every doctor needs to know the indications of scleral lenses and what they can do. I don't think that every single doctor needs to fit scleral lenses. Mm -hmm. So for example, if they have an interest in another area, that's completely fine but they can refer to colleagues who do fit scleral lenses who can help these patients. And hopefully we'll get enough people so that patients can go geographically in a geographically reasonable location to be fit with lenses. You mentioned it's not necessarily easy. Um, What are the best ways to get up to speed? Read your book, I'm guessing. Well, that's always helpful. Yeah, the, the book is a it's a great resource. Um, if you're interested in scleral lenses, there's a new guide um, that is just coming out, the Guide to Scleral Lens Success that I published along with Daddy Fadel from Italy. And that is a practical guide that you can have sort of in your office. It's much shorter um, than contemporary scleral lenses. Really the hands-on workshops and having someone in your practice is the best way to learn how to fit scleral lenses. So there are many workshops at major meetings uh, around the country and around the world. There are many great companies that will have their consultants or a doctor come in and teach you in your practice how to fit lenses. Now, there are also a lot of lectures that you can attend, and I would recommend doing all of these things. So Going to a workshop, having someone come in your practice, attend a lecture. There are many publications on scleral lenses. And the Scleral Lens Society is a great resource. It's free to join. And then if you have a special interest in scleral lenses, there's a fellowship program. And there are fellows from all over the world at this time. And when I'm looking to send someone anywhere in the world, that's where I look, is on the sclerolens.org website. And I look for names and send patients to these doctors all over the world. Interesting. Do you think that doctors during a a wet lab or a a workshop session begin to understand the impact that these lenses have on patients' lives? Or is that something that you kind of see in your own practice? Well, I think a lot of people have heard the stories um, of those of us who do a lot of work with scleral lenses. Um, The best experience in some of those workshops is having the doctor put the lens on themselves and they realize how comfortable it is. And they think, oh, you know, this is actually much more comfortable than I expected. And perhaps this is something that I can include in my practice. Do patients need more education to know about the um, availability of scleral lenses? I mean, patients don't, I'm guessing, walk in and say, I I think I'm a scleral lens candidate. Do they? 
You may be surprised. Many do, actually. So with uh, many look on the internet and, and I don't know how they get to me and, you know, to others around the country, but they say, I want scleral lenses. So there are some patients that are resourceful. There are many patients that are not. And so that's why we need to educate our, our colleagues. So not just optometrists and general ophthalmologists, but say retinal specialists and glaucoma specialists. And we need to go beyond, uh, for example, rheumatology. There are a lot of rheumatologists that are unaware of scleral lens technology and what it can do. And also, for example, neurology and oncology. So we have a lot of work to do and we have a lot of work to do to explain the benefits of scleral lenses to the entire healthcare community. Whose role is that? I mean, how is that word going to get out there? Well, somewhat on an individual level. For example, I work in a hospital-based setting with rheumatology, and they sure they sure know about scleral lenses. I think we need to publish in journals outside of our immediate profession as well to discuss the benefits of scleral lenses. And hopefully the Scleral Lens Society uh, will do more of that work in the future. There's a great new resource that is on the sclerolens.org website. So once you become a member and log in, it is a resource about different conditions and how scleral lenses can help along with peer-reviewed references. So the individual doctor doesn't need to do all this research. They could actually get the information, and it's a great way to market their skills and their practice with other providers. So to answer your question, I think it's a little bit on the individual level and then also on the global level for educating the healthcare community about the benefits of scleral lenses. When a practitioner decides that he or she is going to bring scleral lenses into the um, toolbox, does it require a a retooling of the patient schedule? I would allow more time, especially to start, Um, perhaps more time for the fitting and the allowing appropriate time for the follow-up visits. The training, the application and removal process can be done by staff, and that can sometimes take some time, so allowing enough staff time as well. But once you have five to ten fits under your belt, then going to kind of a standard schedule would be fine. Of course, it always depends on how much space you have and how many rooms, and that always seems to be the limiting factor. In in your day, do you see a mix of patients with uh, who are scleral lens candidates and soft lens candidates and others? Yes, so I have a wide variety of patients. Um, I I do enjoy the mix. Sometimes it's uh, not so much of a mix, and it's all scleral lenses, but I use other technologies too. So we have great hybrid lens technology. I use corneal gas permeable lenses a lot. I, I still use them a lot. It's another great tool that we have in our toolbox. There are soft lenses for keratoconus. I do see normal cornea patients too, and fit regular soft lenses, Torex, multifocals, 
And we have a lot of great technology out there. It's a fun time right now where there are, are new technologies coming out. There are so many new instruments and technology to visualize lenses and fit lenses. And it, it's a great time. In my day-to-day, I also see patients who don't wear contact lenses at all. It's a very medical-based practice and triage emergency patients too. I, I really do like that mix. Are there characteristics that make you say, ah, this is, is a scleral lens candidate? Yes. If a patient has, for example, tried a corneal gas permeable lens and experienced discomfort or the lens would dislodge and fly off their eye, or if they couldn't get a lens to center well enough, or if they had discomfort with another type of lens or didn't get good enough vision, for example, with a soft lens, scleral lenses are great technology. Also, if they have ocular surface disease and significant dry eye, scleral lenses are fantastic. Now, there are a few groups where I would caution uh, scleral lens fitting. The first is a patient who has had a corneal transplant and who has reduced endothelial cell count less than 800. If they have any pre-existing corneal edema, you may not want to fit a scleral lens or you might want to fit it with caution. A patient who has endothelial disease, so such as Fuchs endothelial dystrophy, you would not want to fit a scleral lens. Or if the patient cannot afford a scleral lens technology, then you might not want to fit a scleral lens. Now, the number one complication right now with scleral lenses is handling. So that's why it's so important to review application and removal. So it's great to review that at the dispense appointment. But when patients come back, I always ask, how's it going? Are you able to put in and take out the lens? If they hesitate at all, then I offer additional training. And sometimes that second training is really helpful. So just giving them a few pointers here and there, it helps so they can apply the lenses successfully. So you can have a perfectly fit lens. The vision's fantastic. But if they can't put it on, it's not going to be beneficial. You mentioned severe dry eye patients, and that's clearly a topic that we should get into at another time. But with scleral lens patients, is it important to um, manage the patient's dry eye first? Well, it's important to manage any sort of meibomian gland dysfunction, blepharitis, demodex, because with scleral lenses, there's a post-lens tear reservoir filled with fluid. And then there's also the tear film that goes over the surface of the lens. So we want the cleanest, healthiest environment possible. So yes, in these patients, I always say to treat at your maximum level, treating the eyelids and lashes. Now, as far as using prescription eye drops, such as Restasis or Zydra, if a patient is using the drops and I'm fitting them with scleral lenses, for example, in a patient with Sjogren's syndrome, I have them continue the Restasis or Zydra at least for a month after the scleral lens fitting, and then they can try to discontinue because, of course, scleral lenses are a treatment for dry eye, but sometimes some patients do need that additive therapy. And as far as italogous serum drops, it's the same story there. So some patients will come in 
For example, they have Steven Johnson syndrome and they're using autologous serum drops in the eyes. I will have them continue autologous serum twice a day, not with scleral lenses, but they can also try putting two drops of the serum in the bowl of the lens uh, to help manage their ocular surface disease. And a few other really helpful tips for this population uh, using a more viscous artificial tear like cellulose in the bowl of the lens, along with preservative free saline and tangible hydropeg, the surface coating on the lens that reduces debris and deposits, and it helps make the front surface much more smooth. It's especially important for those with dry eye and ocular surface disease. Do you have a favorite scleral lens anecdote? There, there have been so many great experiences over the years. And even, you know, when I think I've heard these amazing stories, I continue to hear amazing, amazing stories. Um, a recent one is a woman who was hit in the eye with a horse about 40 years ago. And she had a corneal transplant and really has had poor vision for 40 years. And when I fit her with a scleral lens in that eye, she was able to see 2020. And the smile on her face, completely amazing. Another favorite is an eight-year-old girl who had trauma, again, a corneal transplant, extremely poor vision. And gosh, that smile I still remember. And that was a few years ago. There are many patients with keratoconus, and the, these are some of my favorites who come in in their, say, late teens or early 20s. They've been diagnosed. They probably have tried a few things, and they are at the point in their lives where they're deciding what to do. So they can't see well enough to work. They can't see well enough to go to school, and they're wondering what they should do. So oftentimes, I'll fit them with scleral lenses. They see great 2020 in each eye, and they ask me, what should I do? And I say, you should do whatever you want to do. You know, do you want to go to school? Do you want to work? You should do whatever you want to do. And it's so gratifying when they come back and they tell me that they're enrolled in school or they got a job and they're doing really well. So those are just a few of the thousands of stories, but it's absolutely amazing how this technology can change patients' lives. That must be so rewarding to have a moment like that with a patient. It is. And another really rewarding thing is when I go into practices and teach doctors and they come back and tell me that it's completely changed their practice. And and these can be doctors who've been practicing for 30 years and they're excited about optometry. They're excited to go to work because they in turn are improving patients' lives. Those are wonderful stories. I can see why all those uh, doctors who nominated you for a Thea Award two years ago said the kinds of things that they do, because I just feel you encouraging them in in adding this and doing it for the patients and, and for their practices and just for the community health. It's really remarkable. Dr. Barnett, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. 
you can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WOMagazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.